You're listening to the Central City Assembly podcast. We're dedicated to sharing content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus for the good of our city and helps you grow in your love for Jesus. So enjoy this episode and may you be filled with the love of God the Father. So we say it all the time, right? That prayer is the lifeblood of the church. That it's the most important thing that we do here. Our prayer room has my favorite Oswald Chambers quote on a chalkboard that says, Prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. All right, my question to you this morning, guys, is why? Why is it that prayer ministry is so essential, not just to us personally, but to us corporately so that we can be an effective church body that fulfills its purpose of equipping believers to build the kingdom and reach the lost? Why is it so important? And I think in order to understand the necessity of prayer ministry, we have to understand the necessity of prayer itself through three lenses. Connection, encounter, and intercession. Say that with me again. Connection, encounter, and intercession. Let's pray real quick. Jesus, we just, we just thank you for what you're going to do in this place, Lord. And I... God, I ask that you just open our hearts this morning, that we hear you, that we hear you clearly, Lord, and that we obey. God, thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's talk about that first aspect of prayer, connection. Everything we do in the context of our relationship with God is about connection. Right, Whether that be prayer or worship or reading God's word, everything is connection. Think about this. When you're getting to know a significant other, you spend time with them. right? You do various activities with them to get to know them. You build a connection with them. Even after you're married, right? life gets crazy. The routine sets in. You're just kind of going through the motions. You have to intentionally build time in to spend with one another. And then when you do that, You're reminded again of all the reasons why you love that person and your passion for that person gets reignited. You reconnect. The same thing comes from prayer. When you pray, you are praying to connect. When you worship, you are worshiping to connect. When you read God's word, you are reading to connect and be reminded of who he is again so that your passion is reignited. Connection is what seeking God looks like, right? And we're commanded to seek the Lord. Right? There's like numerous verses that say, seek God with all your heart, but we're also promised that when we seek him with our entire heart, we find him. Right? When we're dedicated to seeking God with our whole heart through connection, the inevitable fruit is encounter. Right? The fruit of connection with God is encounter with God. And that's the next lens that we have to see God. Or, or rather that we have to see prayer through. What is encounter? All right, we hear that word a lot. It's super churchy word that I think we lose its meaning. But encounter is what happens when we seek God and we find him. All right, and the cool thing is that it's promised. It's promised that we will find him. It's when heaven invades the earth. It's when miracles happen. It's when genuine life change happens. It's where you become less so he can become greater. And the funny thing about seeking God with your whole heart is that there's not much room for you anymore after a while, right? You get pushed out for more of who God is. 
Your wants, needs, and desires are replaced with his desires and his heart, and you become a vessel for God's will and power to be released not only into your life, but also into the earth as well. Encounter can be something as personal as Holy Spirit giving you a revelation of who God is that breaks off a lie of the enemy so that you can experience more freedom in your life. Right, Something that somebody told you like when you were six that you've just carried around, but you press in and you connect with God and you seek him and you seek that place of encounter and when you find him, he breaks off that lie like it never happened. Or it can be something as outward and crazy as, as you pray for someone and you see them get healed. Right, They might have an illness or a sickness or maybe it's not physical but it's emotional and you pray for that person and that person receives healing from the Lord. Encounter is literally a place where anything can happen, which is what makes prayer ministry so exciting because <laughs> like anything can happen. And I think that's the excitement we've got to approach it with, right? Because encounter is the place where we abandon self to see the glory of God. Encounter is what qualifies you. Like I know there might be some people this morning who've never been a part of a prayer ministry, um, and you're just kind of like, yeah, this seems cool, or maybe you've been coming to prayer for a while, or maybe you're like leading the prayer ministry. I don't know, but there's this misconception that we have to address this morning because talent, ability, and gifting, they're all really great, but none of them are required to be used by God. Obedience and humility are the greatest assets needed to build the kingdom. The reason why prayer is more caught than taught, and I say that like all the time, and I've heard that from other places. The reason why is because effective prayer flows out of connection and encounter. Eloquent words have nothing on authentic encounter because encounter changes you and empowers you. It qualifies you where otherwise you just wouldn't be qualified. Encounter trumps ability because when you pray out of encounter and connection with God, you're praying out of the passion he gives you for the things on his heart and not out of your own ability or self-importance. Think about Peter. All right. Peter was probably the most foot-and-mouth afflicted person in all of Scripture, right? He almost never said the right thing. He certainly never did the right thing, it seemed. But all it took was one encounter with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And the man was able to deliver a gospel message that saw 3,000 people give their life to Jesus. 3,000 people, that guy, right? There's a common misconception that prayer ministry is for people who can speak well. That's the opposite. Prayer ministry is for people who can listen well and obey quickly. It's for people who are desperate for encounter and who know it has nothing to do with them. Your ability to produce eloquent words is what qualifies you the least to be a person of prayer because it's not about communicating your heart and your will. Prayer ministry is about seeking the heart and the will of the Father so that you can boldly declare his will and his heart over people and circumstances and watch those things encounter the living God. Prayer ministry is all about chasing encounter. And all of that will lead to our third and final lens, that we are intercessors. Now that word also kind of feels churchy, because I only ever really hear it in church, but it's a real word, I promise, it's in the dictionary. And it means one who intervenes on behalf of another. 
And Jesus gives us the ultimate mandate as intercessors when he teaches us how to pray in the Lord's Prayer by asking us to pray this. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let it be on earth as it is in heaven. This is what being an intercessor is all about. We are called to stand in the gap between the realities of this broken world and the mighty works God wants to do to bring healing and wholeness to those around us and literally pray it into existence through the authority God has given us in prayer. Prayer changes things. Your prayers are effective. Your prayers are cherished by God. God loves your prayers so much that he keeps all of our prayers in bowls in his throne room. This is what Revelation says. And, and, they, and they act as sweet incense that fills the throne room of God. God loves our prayers so much he, he keeps them even long after they come out of our mouths. God loves our prayer. And there's great power behind our prayer. I'm going to read two really important scriptures to back this up. And honestly, we could be here all day because there's like 60. I would encourage you just to go on like Bible Gateway or Google and type verses about prayer and just spend the day getting encouraged because they all like say the same thing. Let's read Mark 11, 23 through 25. It says, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt it in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And then Matthew 7, 7 through 11, 7, 11. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I'm reminded of what James says. You, you don't have because you don't ask. Our prayers are effective and powerful because God gives them authority. So many scriptures confirm this. And when we're seeking after his heart, he is going to answer. He literally can't help it. Matthew 7 says it's in his nature. It's just who he is. And that truth honestly changed my life. It revolutionized the priority of prayer in my life because for the longest time, I thought because God was sovereign and all-powerful, he didn't need me to pray. And, re and the reality is he doesn't need us to pray, right? He's God. He could do anything he wants, Right, And I thought no matter what I did, his will would be accomplished in my life and the life of other people. And yeah, everything will be good. And it's, again, not that he can't accomplish his own will on the earth. But when you study who God is, the, the characteristics of God, how he operates, we realize that in his sovereignty, he's chosen not to do anything without us. See, we can't do it without God. We're utterly hopeless in that category, but he won't do it without us. And we need to read scripture to see that because there's very two key aspects of his character 
that show us how he's chosen to build his kingdom. The first is this, that he is a partner. He's a God of partnership. God created us for the purpose of relationship, right? We were designed to love God and to be loved by God. That's like who he is at his core. That's his DNA. He's about relationship. And so in that design, we see that from the beginning of time, God has partnered with his people to accomplish his plans and purposes in the earth. I would say save actually creating the earth and then Jesus dying on the cross and being risen from the grave. Everything else is partnership. Even the lineage of Jesus is partnership, right? From the beginning to Christ, we see God partnering with his people. It's not that he can't do it without us. He doesn't want to do it without us. And so, God created the universe, but he had Adam name the animals. God flooded the earth to rebuild it, but Noah built the ark. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, David, Mary, Peter, Paul, the Old and New Testament are filled with examples of partnership and covenant where God did incredible things together with ordinary people. But how were they able to do these things? And that's where our second characteristic of God that we need to understand comes into play is that he's a multiplier. He's a multiplier. We see this principle all over scripture. Things like tithing. God only asks us to give him 10% of our income, but he promises to bless us tenfold. Or even faith. Jesus says we only need the faith the size of the smallest seed ever, the mustard seed, and he'll throw a mountain into the sea. Right? God took the obedience of one man, Abraham, and multiplied that into a nation numbered more than the stars in the sky or the sand in the earth. God is a multiplier. But to balance that, because he's a multiplier, he's also not an enabler. Right? Jesus shows us this in the parable of the talents, where the master gives his servants money with the intention of multiplying it if the servants invest well. And they do, for the most part. This one guy, though, there's always one guy. This, this one guy didn't do that, right? Because he saw what was given to him as too little, and he just buried it in the sand. I'm actually going to preach on this in a couple weeks, and I'm pretty excited about it. So, spoilers. Uh, <laughs> not really. But that guy was cast out because God couldn't partner with him. He wasn't willing to be obedient and do the part that he was able to do. See, God will not do for you what he has empowered you to do for yourself. And I'll illustrate that. I think one of, and I don't want to offend anybody, but I think one of, and, and mainly I'm offending myself, I think one of the silliest prayers and one of the most fruitless prayers that I've ever prayed is God, help me pray more. God, help me read my Bible more. Because in reality, I'm not saying God multiply my existing efforts. I'm saying, God, take my non-existent efforts and create a prayer life out of thin air, please. <laughs> God, make Netflix less appealing so I can get off the couch and go pray, right? God wants to partner with us, but he can't do that if we're not willing to partner with him. In other words, he's not going to give you a 25th hour of the day. You have to give him one of your 24. <laughs> we got to partner with him so he can multiply us and multiply our efforts. And see, when we truly see God as a partner and a multiplier, and we see the emphasis that he places on prayer and his word, I mean, so many times, to the point where finally he just probably got tired of saying it through other people. He just told Paul, say, okay, just pray all the time. Just pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. Do it. <laughs> 
And when he teaches us how to pray, he says things like, pray that my kingdom would come, that my will would be done. Let it be on earth as in heaven. And when we understand that, that's not just, hey, do that because I like to hear it. It's do it because we're going to partner together on this. We're going to do it so that it happens, right? We're going to do this together. Like, how cool is it that God is a father? For all intents and purposes, we kind of messed up the earth, right? He made the earth. He created the earth. This is going to be this perfect thing. We messed it up. We're the reason everything is going crazy. And he says, you know, I could just fix this. But how cool would it be if I just... I let my kids work in the redemption of the place that they messed up anyway, right? He invites us along with him to do this. It's kind of like, you know, where the dad builds the fence and the five-year-old kid holds the nails and they both built the fence. Not really. (laughs) We get to hold the nails. And prayer ministry is for people who get excited about that. If it doesn't excite you that you get to hold the nails, prayer ministry might not be for you. Because just the idea that we get to partner with the God of the universe should be the very thing that wakes us up in the morning. Should be the very thing that gets us out of bed and propels us forward. It should be the very thing that drives us to our knees. Because when we truly, if we can truly grasp and get a hold of the significance and the power of our prayers that God has given us, we really wouldn't stop praying, <laughs> right? As, as people who've been gripped by the gospel and, and should be gripped to see the lost saved and, and the prodigal come home and the sick healed and, and cities redeemed, we should just never stop praying because the power isn't in our, our ability to do things. We're not building the fence, but we got to hold the nails, <laughs> We got to hold the nails. There are miracles waiting to be released if only we would partner with God in prayer. There are prodigals poised to come home if only we would partner with God in prayer. There are, quote, unchangeable circumstances, whatever that means to God. That doesn't mean anything to God. And He wants to change those circumstances if only we would press in for that encounter and partner with Him in prayer. There is a massive calling on Central City Assembly that God is anxiously waiting to unleash into the city of Tucson. If only we partner with him in prayer. And so that's what we're going to do right now. We are going to spend some time in prayer. And we're going to pray for three things. We're going to pray for the lost the lost in your lives or just the lost in general, for prodigals, for people who knew God and are now far away from God. We're going to pray for maybe family members that, 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 that you have, that you've just been praying for, and there's a testimony right there. <laughs> Man, she's prayed for her son long before we started praying for her son, but we prayed for her son for like a year, right? It was, it was about a year. He came to know Jesus. Prayers are powerful. Yeah, come on. That's good. That's good. There's a testimony. And so we're going to pray too. So bring your lost. We'll pray for them. (laughs) And then we're going to pray for the church, our church, that we would encounter God. We're going to press in for that encounter, that this would be a place where people 
meet the living God, that their lives are changed, that they receive healing, that they get freedom, that this place would be a place where people know who God is. And then we're going to pray for our city, for all the churches in our city, for revival in our city, to see God do the work that he wants to do. Thank you for listening. If you are blessed by this episode and would like to help us create more content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus, would you consider giving a financial gift of any amount today? Whatever you give will go towards building the kingdom of God in the lives of people all over the world. Thank you for your support, and we pray many blessings over you. Thank you.